and welcome back to the Film School for Marketers podcast. This is episode number nine. We're so glad you're here. As always, I am Zach Basner, joined by my co-host, Mariah Anderson. Howdy. Also, we have a very, very special guest this week. One of my good friends, a brilliant videographer, brilliant creative minds. He's here to share with us a ton of great stuff about all the cool things he's doing at River Pools and Spas, Mr. Christian Shrilla. You make me blush, Zach. You make me blush. <laughs> Dude, I'm really psyched to have you on the podcast today. You're, you're a big part of the Film School for Marketers community. Uh, you do a lot with They Ask, You Answer. You're an incredible case study of how it works in video. For those who don't know, Christian, can you just kind of explain what your role is at River Pools and kind of what you do? Yeah, so I was hired, I guess, technically as the marketing manager. Uh, although what I prefer to call myself is the consumer education director. Uh, I, I view my role as, as the one to convey all of the information, answers to all the questions that consumers have when they're shopping for a pool, be it fiberglass, which is what we specialize in, or a vinyl liner or concrete. We, If they're going to go with us, we want them to feel confident uh, that fiberglass is what they want. So I'm I'm the lead spokesman for that, for the company. Tell us a little bit about your video team over there at River. So I have myself, um, I've got uh, Patrick Willard, who is our videographer and editor. And then we also have Holly Gender, and she is our technical writer, blog writer, and can also do some amazing code work and manages our site for us. So the three of us holding down the fort here at River Pools. Yes, that is the dream team for sure. <laughs> it is. So, you know, at some point in the they ask you answer journey that you've been on, you came up with this idea for a series. And about what time did you start doing the series? First of all, what's the series called and when did you start this thing? Uh, two Minutes in the Pool is what it's called. And we started that probably about November 2017. Uh, I came on earlier that year. We were doing a bunch of manufacturing videos, but then in, yeah, I think it was about November, 2017 when we fired off that series, two minutes of the pool. Where, where does that kind of inspiration come from? Like what was the thing that you were like, you know what, we need to do a series. I, it's funny. I just attended a session by Zach King who spoke all about uh, grabbing ideas from other people and then putting a spin on them, making them your own and gave examples of all kinds of great artists who've done the same. So Two Minutes in the Pool really started from uh, Peter McKinnon's Two Minute Tuesday. And I liked not necessarily the idea that it was two minutes, but the idea that it was a quick lesson about something I had a question on. And he cut right to the chase and he gave the answer. And, um, and then I started looking at how long it took folks to read our blog articles. It's a couple minutes, two minutes. And then I thought back as a kid, every time I was told by my mom, we had to leave the pool and I begged for more time and she'd say, fine, you have two more minutes. So <laughs> that's the birth of two minutes in the pool. It's a combination of a, a number of things. I love a good um, origin story. Yeah. <laughs> so actually, this is too good not to talk about Peter McKinnon here for a second, Christian, because we have a we have an awesome story about Peter McKinnon. For anybody oh. <laughs> who's not familiar with Mr. Peter McKinnon, he's he's just like a, a massive content creator on YouTube. He's got he's a filmmaker and he's got a ton of really great content. Yes, he does. Adobe Max 2017. Christian and I are there. We're hanging out, and you know we're both Peter McKinnon super fans. We're like, you know, it'd be so cool <laughs> as if Peter McKinnon was staying in our hotel. So we asked the lady at the desk. <laughs> 
here is Peter McKinnon staying. Wow. And I'm not even sure if she was allowed to tell us this, but she's, she's like, yeah, he's staying here. Yeah. So we're like, oh man, we might run into him. <laughs> Two minutes later. Yeah. Maybe less. <laughs> we run into Peter McKinnon in the lobby. What? And yeah. We, like we took pictures with him and we were totally fangirling over Peter. Oh my God. It was nuts. Yeah. Shameless. Did you also tell him you asked that he, if he was staying in the same hotel? No. <laughs> no. I feel like that would have been weird. Oh man. <laughs> That was a cool moment. Definitely a highlight of my career so far. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. yeah, it was awesome. So, but anyhow, okay. So, uh, it was a great idea that was that came out. You know, t- two minutes in the pool. You started creating the series. What was that like? Uh, like getting started with the series. It was it was kind of tough um, because I. I know pools in in and out. I know pool chemistry. I understand the construction. I understand the manufacturing. I had a job as uh, building fiberglass boat tops, you know, as a kid and in college. I understand all of the pieces and parts that make up the pool industry. Um, But I had to learn. Oh, I also knew how to present to a live audience. And I knew how to uh, talk to crowds of people. I'd done a lot of presenting in my uh, previous job. But I had to learn to become, not only play the sport, but I had to learn to become the coach. That was mm-hmm. the hardest part for me. Um, so I had to take the blog articles and I had to learn them top to bottom, I felt like, for my own, putting together my own process for shooting videos. And, um, and I would use the blog articles as my script slash outline. Um, and the more I did them, the better... I got the more comfortable I got with the information. And, um, but in the beginning it was, it was me and the camera and the zoom recorder. And I would find a location on our, our campus here, our property and choose a different setting. And I would, I would, uh, choose a handful of videos. And I think we prioritized like all of the articles we had that were performing well, we prioritized them according to their performance. And we said, mm-hmm. if that one's the most trafficked, then that one needs video first. And, um, and so I just went after it and I would probably record five a week, take me about a week to edit them. And then that process sped up as we went along. But, um, yeah, the more I shot, the more I got comfortable, the more I got used to interacting with the camera, the less I needed to depend on the the blog as the script or the outline. And, and then I would start incorporating little tricks and effects in the camera and, uh, and editing just to make the videos more engaging. So. That's so cool. And you taught yourself all of this, like as you were going, I did. I I didn't start shooting video professionally until I got here. I ran an iPhone and a GoPro at the YMCA where I worked before here. And I would actually edit on a cheap little computer. Yeah. So yeah. So there you go, people. No excuse. No excuse. <laughs> That's right. So what's what's been like the long-term impact that doing this has had on your marketing and sales? Our leads have um, essentially doubled since the channel launched in 16. And wow. um, of course, the biggest jump has been since uh, Two Minutes in the Pool started in 2017. I just looked at our traffic yesterday on YouTube and we are twice, uh, we get twice the number of views and twice the number of minutes watched now compared to May of last year. So we're, you know, double the consumption and two months ahead of where we were last year. And I think it's because it's been in the algorithm for a year now. And, um, 
uh, perhaps Google's given us a little more weight and authority on the video side. So, but people are coming in the door and they, they recognize me. Not that that's a big deal, but they come in with all the answers. And so they're getting into the design process of their pool project much faster in the sales side of things. They, they already know what they want. I want a fiberglass pool. A lot of times they already know which pool they want. And now it's a matter of how do we make that work in my backyard and stick within my budget and all the options and accessories that you, you know, can't necessarily pick out of a video. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I think one of the most interesting things about this Christian too, and, and I think one of the reasons it's grown so fast is because, well, you know, when many small businesses think about maybe starting a series, many would think of this as like, you start with episode one and then you have two, three, four, five. And as you release each new episode of the series, the audience grows. But this isn't that type of series. No. This is a very search reliant mm-hmm. type of content. So how do you take this weekly series, this episodic type of content and make it so super searchable? Um, yeah, it's it's not crushing it on YouTube with subs. I mean, we've only got 2000 ish 2000 and change subscribers to the channel. Um, so we took the approach of optimizing the videos for search, um, you know, a lot like we would for written content. So paying attention to keywords, tags, um, making sure that the title of the video, um, was highly optimized. It was repeated somehow in the description. We used a lot of questions. I mean, we got some coaching from you, Zach, a lot of coaching in the beginning along the way. Um, to do that. Once we got the hang of it, you know, it was, it was off to the races. Um, so a good title, really good description, and then certainly, um, paying attention to tags, um, as another, another thing we utilize TubeBuddy to monitor our tags. Uh, we were able to see us gain number one position on a lot of those tags pretty quickly because nobody else in the industry was, was doing it the way, we were doing it. And then recently, oh, this is interesting. I searched something online and Google had given a video the number one position on search and had given that video the snippet in the Google search. So I think that's pretty new. So we've been trying to play around with our descriptions even inside YouTube, recognizing that Google will award a snippet to a video now. Yeah, the interesting thing is... um how many videos get picked up for clips. Mm. So where Google will actually return, not, not an entire video, but a clip from that video. Mm-hmm. And the only way it can do that realistically is if it, if, if it's answering, if you have a video that answers so specifically a question that the searcher is posing, the search engine is returning the best result. And if your video has the best answer, then that's, what's, that it, that's what it's going to return. But it's not the whole video. It's just a wow. clip of that video. I haven't, wow. I haven't even seen that yet, but yeah, that's really interesting. That is interesting. Boy, that takes a uh, scripting or outlining or a lot of forethought to another level planning how well, you actually present wanna, the information, you know? Yeah. Hmm. I actually want to go back to something you said earlier, which you said you've now become n- not so much reliant on the article to present your information. So how does that sort of, how does that occur? I mean, besides just the frequency of doing this all the time, I mean, what is it that you've implemented that you think makes it easier for you to go off script and still make really incredible content? 
Uh, I think repetition is one. I mean, it's just, it's consuming a different version of the information over and over again, but then um, just being down into the, into the weeds on a daily basis. Um, I approach the, you know, reviewing an article, I kind of approach it differently. Holly does a really good job of writing our articles. So, you know, she creates headers in there and I'm just able to relate um, important information under each header and kind of flow through the topics within a video a little more fluently. So how much is speaking of time, actually, like, especially for people who are like, oh my gosh, this sounds like an awesome idea. I mean, you're talking about all of the great things, like you're speeding up the sales process. You have more qualified leads. How much time would you say this takes you to actually produce it, get it done, get it out? I mean, it's clearly worth it, but like what kind of time investment do people need to think about? Um, well, I guess, so for me, um, I knew how to edit a little bit. Um, I was using an editing software that I was very familiar with. Zach's a big Premiere guy. I'm big in Final Cut only because I can I can work my way around in there much, much faster. And I find Final Cut to be a little more intuitive. Um, but I was able to get it down where I could record, say, five videos in a couple hours by myself and then take... Once I had my, my template down for the video, uh, I could edit five videos in two days-ish, um, you know, with a little bit of B-roll here and there, if we already had it. If I had to go out and, and add B-roll, record that later, yeah, you know, probably add another day or so. Awesome. But I, yeah, it just got faster and faster over time. Uh, once you create a template and you get used to editing in that same sort of style, it, it'll just, it'll naturally go faster for you. Do you ever find it, Christian, to be difficult to keep the momentum that you've got? We did an episode a couple of weeks ago about how to produce consistent content and really where most businesses want to be. And doing a series is a great way to do this, but where most businesses want to be is producing two to three pieces per week. Has that always been easy for you to do? Has there been times when it was difficult to maintain that type of consistency? Definitely. Um, and that's because as our company is growing, as you know, we're bringing in more leads. We've got more sales. There's a different kind of demand. Um, and so our attention needed to be pulled away from two minutes in the pool once we had really gotten a bulk of our high-performing written content. Once we got video on all of that, we kind of dialed back two minutes in the pool and worked on producing, say, um, just high-end um, highlight reels for each pool model and uh, just really their, their B-roll videos. Um, but different things. We start to create um, videos to insert into the sales process that were one-on-one. You guys just talked about that in a recent uh, episode of the podcast, one-on-one video or personalized versus canned videos. And um, we ended up producing canned videos for each one of the salespeople so that the lead could, within a matter of minutes, be assigned to their project designer and virtually get to meet them or even schedule a meeting if they'd like. So yeah, we it was hard to keep up the momentum of two minutes in the pool, but that's because there were other, other things that needed attention at that point. And so we were just kind of able to dial it back and focus attention more. And now we're back into it probably once a week, every other week, we're posting a two minutes in the pool and amongst a few other videos. So many companies aren't going to have a Christian Shirilla that can host a <laughs> weekly series. Like I, I can see, I can just see, yeah. you know, many people going like, we don't even want to have one person represent the company. Like we want to do the series, but we would want, we want to use 
everybody. Like, yeah. We want to use all of our subject matter experts to do this. Mm-hmm. What would you say to them? Like, does that add a level of complexity to this or does that make it easier, harder? Like what, what would that look like in your opinion? Yeah, I think it's as hard as you try to make it. Um, you know, when, when people say it's just so hard, I'm like, you're kind of, a, you're in your own way at that point. If you have the right people in the right seat in your company and they wrap their heads around where the company needs to go, then they can evolve their skill sets and um, what they do on a day-to-day basis and and learn something new. I, I think some of the most effective people that I've ever ha- employed and that I've ever worked with are those that can recognize the next need and figure out what they need to do to contribute to that next level of success. So I think it's as hard as you make it. Um, it doesn't have to be difficult by any stretch of the imagination. And hands down, if two people are willing to put their personality behind something they're sharing or teaching or telling the story, you can slap that, you can get that done with an iPhone and it's you could connect with it as a consumer easily every time. I like what you said about like a lot of times it's yourself getting in the way because that's so true. Yeah. Um, if you were to like think back to when you first got started with it, um, you know, what were, what are things you would have told yourself or things that kind of did get in the way maybe in the beginning that you had some trouble with, if you even did, that you would offer like some guidance and advice of like, be prepared to potentially hit this obstacle or I would tell myself these things to make sure it was a more a smooth transition into like consistently doing this. Uh, I would have uh, embraced the idea that it's just going to be a little messy in the beginning. Um, I probably would have been a little quicker to, to post a video. Um, so that saying perfection is the, is the enemy of done <laughs> uh, or some version of that. And um, I mean, Zach, I think when we went to Adobe that year, I had been stuck on this one video trying to edit it for a, a month just because I, I couldn't figure out how to convey the message I wanted to. And I felt this need to make that video different than the previous one when really all I needed to do was stick to a template, share the information, put a little spin on it in editing if I wanted to, but I didn't have to shoot every single video in a completely different style. Uh, and that's what I, I felt compelled to do that for some reason. I don't know. It, it was fun in the end, but um, I could have gotten through what I needed to much faster if I had just stuck to a, a template. This is interesting. So what, what was it that made you feel like it needed to be different? Uh, probably because every video I had created before, every video I did for the YMCA, um, everything I'd done for myself, either for my kids, a fun day with them or something like that, there was always, there was always something different. I was always pulling an idea or an inspiration from another YouTuber or something I saw and wanted to try to recreate that. And, um, you know, I think, so if you take Casey Neistat, for instance, every video almost has a different feel. There's something different, something new to every single one of them. And I just, I just felt compelled to push my creativity, um, which would be fine for my own channel, but you know, for the company's sake, it would have been better to get myself into a, into a slot and, and kind of stick there. And then, redo the creative process for another series of videos. Uh, uh, this is so important to, to talk mm-hmm. about. I mean, we all as creatives and professionals feel this way with whether you're doing one-to-one video and you're like, man, I'm just always sitting here in this office. Like I, I need to do something different or this isn't, yeah. or this doesn't look good. 
or, you know, as creative videographers, it's like, I've been doing the same talking head style for 30 videos. I got to change this up. And we all run into this like thing that we're so frustrated and we feel like we're stuck. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Don't know how to evolve from that and feel like, you know, no one wants to stay in the same place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's a real thing and uh, (laughs) it could really get in your way if you let it, it's gotten in my way a few times. Uh, Zach, I'm sure you're the same and, um, or you've experienced it as well, but you know, it's, that's when you, you need to just understand that the process it's messy and, um, and just keep letting it evolve and pushing yourself to grow. And, um, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a process for sure. Embrace the messy, embrace it, hug it, hang on to it, (laughs) stick it in your pocket, (laughs) pull it out often. (laughs) So what was the quality like when you first got started? Is it a lot different now than it was when you, when you got started? Uh, I think it's a little better now. Um, I think we, we're a little, we're better now at using the right B-roll. Um, we're better now at choosing, um, you know, parts of what's that on camera to enhance and push the story forward. And, um, yeah, I, I would say it's better just our, our ability to edit the timeline, to move the story along and cut some of the fluff out. Um, put B-roll in the right place. We time things a little better to music now using, you know, we're using slow motion. Um, we're using a slider, things like that. So we're, we're pairing music to the story better. We're, we're creating our cuts in a, in a more fluid location within the video. So yeah, little by little things are getting better. I wouldn't say we're Spielberg or anything like that just yet, but we're getting there. One day. <laughs> certainly, you certainly got the best videos in the pool industry, the fiberglass. Well, I was going to say fiberglass pool, the pool industry in general. I would I like mean, to think so. We're trying. <laughs> what What do you do with these when they're finished, Christian? Because I know we mentioned they go up on YouTube and you do a lot of optimization there. Are you doing Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram? What other platforms are you focused on? We send the videos. All of them go uh, to Facebook. We upload them natively there. We don't ever share a YouTube link. Um, we are beginning to upload some to Vidyard, although you know by the time they're into the sales process, there's no point in sending the same videos back out because all of their questions are answered when they get in. Um, so all, all of our Vidyard work, our one-to-one stuff is, is much more personalized. But YouTube, Facebook, um, we don't do anything with LinkedIn right now. And we post a lot of photos to Instagram. Haven't tried, we tried a little bit of video, um, but Instagram is still pretty early for us. Uh, we haven't dabbled in stories yet. So I've yet to see really many small to medium sized businesses crushing it with video on Instagram. It's very rare to see that. I don't know if it's an audience thing or what. It's a great place for these big brands. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying it's not possible. I just don't see it very often. I would agree with that. I haven't seen a whole lot. I, to be honest, I don't quite wrap my head around, you know, stories just yet. Um, everyone's talking about it. They're talking about it all over a social media marketing world. Um, those types of podcasts and interviewing people with great success. But a lot of them seem to be personal brands with a lot of followers. Yeah. And yeah, so for small companies, I just, I don't, I don't see it as a value of our time just yet. Yeah. I guess to clarify, I don't mean it's not good for, because there's a lot of local businesses that are going to be really successful with it. 
restaurants and, and things like yeah. that. As far as an educational tool, like mm-hmm. being used for they ask you answer, it's just such a passive, right? It's such a passive experience. Whereas your active browsing on Google or YouTube, uh, where Instagram is more passive, you're interrupting somebody's time. Are you going to be able to hit them with the, you know, an answer to the question they need in that moment? Right. I would say, if we're totally getting off on a tangent, maybe, but like even the one area that I'm like, I can actually see that being a, a good area, and I've seen some people do it is like, um, like Instagram Live and using that as a platform to like maybe mm-hmm. address like questions or kind of like show things like internally and like introduce people and your team and the culture. But um, yeah, it's all strategy and how you do it. Yeah, I see the live video stuff being useful for us, um, especially when our when we build up our social audience. You know, quite mm-hmm. a bit more from where it is. I I expect to see an evolution from the I need to have an answer to something to oh, I kind of want to see what they're doing today, and mm-hmm. I'm also having trouble uh, with my pool pump, and they're going to go live about a pool pump. I'm going to tune in to see what that's about. Yes. Um, so educational, but you know, after after ownership is where I see it being a useful tool. Yeah, yeah, which Definitely. would lead to referrals and. Hey, it was great to shop from them and, and they provide support afterward. So, all right. So you're doing Facebook and YouTube. I'm curious, what's the Facebook journey been like? It it helped the series gain a little bit of exposure. I think it helped build our audience a little bit. Um, It's still pretty early to see the overall effect of video and Facebook. We've only got, gosh, 2000 followers. But what's interesting is that that's a lot. Yeah. yeah I was say that's, that's, that's a lot. <laughs> a good amount. <laughs> 2000, well, we um we have uh, started to notice that a lot of our customers come back to Facebook and there's like this little community of Riverpool's owners and they're beginning to uh look forward to posting their picture of their pool being open for the first wow. time or comment on they might comment on a construction post a photo or something from manufacturing about yeah, you know, I can't wait to open my C40. I can't wait to open my, you know, my D35 or, or you know, whatever whatever pool model they have. They so we're trying to f- figure out how to harness this fan club thing, and we need a name for them. If you guys have any suggestions, I read this book called Primal Branding like two uh, years ago. Yeah, and in that book, it talks about how your fan base should name themselves. So if you look at a lot of like. Uh, I mean, does it Peter McKinnon have one of these, Christian? A fan base? Well, it's like the, the people who caught us first. Oh, uh, yeah, it's like something it, like that. But they named themselves. It's like that's how it became powerful because they okay. they named themselves and now Peter McKinnon like calls them that. And many other content creators or businesses have had the same kind of uh, evolution. I like that. I'm going to take that. And I wrote that primal branding. I wrote that down. Primal branding. Yeah. I feel like you've talked about this book many times, Zach. So. Definitely a good read. It's a good book. I recommend it for anybody. So before we get into just like maybe just your general tips for for businesses who might be starting a series, Christian, where you are now, like where do you want to be with the series in a year, two years? Like, do you have a plan for ongoing improvements on this or is there like a a vision that you have for it in the future? Oh, absolutely. Um, So I, I see our I'll talk our overall video video strategy and then how two minutes in the pool plays into that. So overall, we're kind of shifting toward um, humanizing our videos. That's 
that's a big buzzword right now in, in marketing and advertising in general, mm-hmm. just connecting people to the personalities, like who's behind the brand, not what is the brand. And so we're, we're working on that. But I think two minutes in the pool is probably a year out from needing um, a second version. A lot of the feedback that we've gotten on these videos is that there wasn't B-roll or that it was just, uh, we actually got comments from people at Bass Pro Shop. Their marketing team was watching it. So one, you never know who's going to watch your stuff. That's awesome. Um, yeah. But one of the comments they made is that they seem like glorified glorified PowerPoints and they are. And that's because we we just didn't have all of the B-roll to support every single article. Um, and so version two will be a lot more B-roll to to show the thing as opposed to talk about it and have text on screen and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, show the thing. How many times have we heard Marcus Sheridan say that on stage? You got to show the thing. Um, so that'll be, that'll be round two of two minutes in the pool, probably in a year or so we'll, we'll start work on that. Say it, don't spray it. (laughs) It's uh, show it. Don't just say it. Oh, did I I spray a little bit? No, I'm kidding. So what would those tips be, Christian, for, for those who, you know, maybe they're already doing, they ask you answer. Maybe they're not. Maybe they, they really need a good idea for some ongoing series. Um, what would you tell them or advice would you give them to get started? And do you have any just kind of general tips that you'd like to share? Uh, if you're getting started with video, I would first look at your written content. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you have five articles, 10 articles, if you have 50 that are performing well for you, um, that fit within that, they ask you answer, you know, um, line of thinking, uh, then start there, prioritize them and start putting video on the most trafficked pieces of written content you have and work your way down. Um, if there is a commonality amongst, you know, the thing or things you sell, then, you know, maybe there's a catchy thing you can, you can uh, call the series. Um, it doesn't have to be a series necessarily. I think consistency is is more important. Not that not that it needs a title. Um, I don't know, but yeah, that's where I would start. You know, with your most traffic written content, and start putting video there. But then you're hit the Google algorithm in two different directions, right? From the written side mm-hmm. and the video side, um, which would help your overall SEO for sure. For companies that don't have a strong written presence. Um, I would just start making videos in parallel with what you are producing in written content and see what works, see what, see what catches steam and, um, you know, just evolve your content from there and just start putting video out in parallel with your written content. So yeah, started, start, 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 hit the red button, (laughs) start, start. Yeah. That's, that's the number one thing. Sales team. Mm-hmm. You have the sales team, ask them, what, what would you like? What would help you sell more? Mm-hmm. And start with that. Absolutely. Which actually is, is something interesting too, Christian. How often are these two minutes in the pool videos used in the sales process? Are they part of your assignment selling uh, process? A little bit less and less. Um, every time I, I, I get with the sales guys, we're finding that folks, I think because we posted them and optimized them so well that a lot of our views come from suggested videos. And so people get into our playlist or they get within the two minutes in the pool episodes and it just keeps 
churning them one question to the next. Mm-hmm. We've had one guy comment on Facebook that he, he binge watched two and a half hours of two minutes in the pool. And I, <laughs> I didn't know whether to cheer or feel sorry for the guy. I didn't. <laughs> I was like, man, Discovery had a good show on tonight. You, you missed it. <laughs> but yeah, but, pe- but people will get in there and they just, it just watch one thing and it leads them to the next question. And then they find that one and then they find the next answer, the next answer. And next thing you know, they've, they've done their research and uh, buyer confidence is up. They come in and they're, they're ready to close the deal or have, you know, be encouraged to close the deal when they come in the door. So a little less, your sales team, a lot less assignment selling now. Your sales team must be like, Oh my God, like so thankful for all of this. Cause that's any dream, right? Like, I don't even have to educate during this process. Like I'm here just to like introduce myself and close this deal. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. They're like wild. they're crying and embracing each other every time this happens. <laughs> I hope so. so <laughs> I hope so. I feel like we need to have like part two where we talk about just like your sales team and how they're even using like one-to-one video and like your other video resources, because you guys are really ahead of the game when it comes to that kind of stuff. Um, and that's awesome to hear that they're clearly adopting it. Like there's absolutely buy-in across the board from your entire team with yeah. video and the power of it. Yeah, we're still working on the one-to-one video um, and its capabilities. Our sales guys, because um, they travel to homes so much, they're on the road. Um, we've had to outfit their vehicles with and their computers to go mobile. And mm-hmm. um, so sometimes they're they're in a driveway recording a... Um, you know, a proposal video for Vidyard and sending that. Um, but we've got some work to do there. And it would be interesting to take a look at what we're able to accomplish this season with that. This will be our first full season with, uh, with one-to-one video. And um, yeah, that's, that's a fun process too. Do you know, I saw something on LinkedIn not long ago where auto mechanics were using one-to-one video to show their like 21 point inspection or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. And they were actually doing the inspection with the camera and walking the customer through everything that they were doing and checking wow. and looking for. And I got chills watching this video because I was just yeah. amazed at like what an incredible and applicable way to use this form of communication to build trust. I mean, who is, wow. that's a talk trigger. That's something people are going to say, Hey, I went over to John's uh, auto shop to get an inspection and they yeah. sent me a video of the inspection happening. Man, can you, can you imagine dropping your car off to, to get a major fix and then you leave and an hour later, he sends you a one-to-one video saying, I found the problem. Here it is. We're going to get it fixed in an hour. Uh, no worries. Come on by and get it picked up. Instead of having like the angst of, mm. of that when you pick the car up, you know? Oh, but it's beautiful because that's an yeah. industry that trust is is lost. I mean, we don't right. yeah. we don't trust mechanics anymore. It's like, yeah, sure, that thing's broken. Yeah, of course it's going to take a thousand dollars to fix it. But then if he he or she showed you on video while you're not even there, I found the problem and we can fix it today. That's awesome. Yeah, it's powerful stuff. It is powerful. Wow. Well, Christian, we'd love to bring you back for part two at some point in uh, the coming months if you'd be willing. Oh, absolutely, man! This is a blast. Fun talking to you guys. Yeah, man. We appreciate having, having you here today. If the folks, uh, the listeners and viewers want to get in touch with you or connect with you on social, where can they go? Uh, you can look me up on Facebook or, uh, you know, catch up with me by email. It's probably the best thing if you've got specific questions and just Christian, there's no H in my first name, uh, but Christian at riverpoolsandspas.com.
Awesome. We'll be sure to drop that stuff in the show notes. Thank you all for listening today. Hopefully you've got some great information about how you could start with a series at your business, uh, or maybe just get started with video. River Pools and Spas, look them up on YouTube. Look, check out their website, see what they're doing. They're really an inspiration. It's going to give you a lot of ideas for how you could do this. And we really appreciate you watching. Make sure you hit that like button on YouTube, hit subscribe, uh, leave us a review on the iTunes store if you are delighted with the show. And until we see you next time, keep learning.